My producer Tim went missing at the end of the mid-season finale of America, the podcast. And I, Pepadias A. Stard, the embodiment of and only hope for America, aim to find him. These are the Search for Tim Transmissions. I have not been transported that fast before. Uh, wow. So the Martians can't help me find Tim, but they can zap me back to my house in Austin. All right. Um, well, hello, America. It's me, Thebe Stard, the embodiment of and only hope for America. And uh, for you, it's been a week. Um, for me, the most important part in all of this, it uh, has been about two seconds. I have just come from the planet Mars, where I met with the undersecretary of the Martian government, who uh, told me that they could not in fact, help me find Tim, that they have no technology, despite being aliens that are millions of years old and have taken refuge inside the Olympus Mons volcano, somehow do not have the technology to uh, find my producer, Tim. Um, America, I'm at a loss. I don't really know what to do. Um, so, since this has been a long past nine weeks, and considering I am quite exhausted from the multiple trips to multiple countries that are in America, I'm going to relax and, you know what, I'm going to smoke a joint of cannabis. Uh, that way I can relax with some sticky icky, maybe watch some cartoons, very, very into the new Animaniacs. Um, and, uh, let's see here. Oh, damn it! I'm out of cannabis! You know what, America? Screw it. Not to sound like a snowflakey, whiny liberal, but I need to take a personal day. And what better way to take a personal day than to hop on my private jet and fly to Mount Rushmore, a.k.a. the Sixth Grandfathers, which is in, uh, South Dakota, North Dakota. Not real sure. Gonna have to ask the pilot. Hopefully she will know. Assuming she does know exactly where I need to go, we will be landing outside the ranch currently owned by my friends, the former Christmas elves turned pharmaceutical THC tycoons. And considering I am a major investor in their cannabis farm, I'm gonna get a free ounce when I get there. That's right, America. Who knew that being a billionaire investor had its perks? So, while I fly to the Dakotas, you can listen to semi-important questions, and when we come back, we'll either be at Mount Rushmore, a.k.a. the Sixth Grandfathers, or, uh, I'll still be on my jet, uh, probably watching the Great British Bake Off. I'm a little behind. And I swear to God, if George does not get kicked off soon, I'm going to scream. Alright? George, you're a bad baker. You understand? You're bad. You have somehow stumbled your way throughout this whole competition. Not good. Do not like you. Anyways, um, all right, semi-important questions, go! Our first semi-important question comes from Little Tristan from Nome, Alaska. Little Tristan writes, Dear Mr. Thabadias, you've mentioned going to Atlantis. What is it like there? Signed, Little Tristan, Nome, Alaska. Um, well, little Tristan, um, it's very blue, um, lots of blue and silver buildings, uh, very pointy, very big, uh, lots of flying cars, uh, it's all underwater, um, under a dome, because if it were be to be revealed to the rest of the world, well, uh, there might be chaos, and lots of people trying to get in there and steal their technology, just like Hitler did. Hitler got really close, believe it or not. Lots of people don't know that, but Hitler got very close to finding Atlantis, and, uh, if it wasn't for me and several Atlantean soldiers, well, he, he would have definitely found Atlantis. I'll put it that way. So we were about an inch from him uh, breaking through the Atlantean walls, uh, metaphorically, of course, or literally, um, depending on who you ask. And uh, 
Yeah, the Nazis would have outright won had they been able to get a hold of Atlantean technology. But luckily, because of yours truly, and two now-dead Atlantean soldiers, um, nope, didn't happen. So, uh, yes, uh, to answer your question, blue pointy buildings. Um, also, dolphins talk. Next question. Our next semi-important question comes from Little Christopher from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Little Christopher writes, Dear Mr. Thebadias, what makes someone a patriot? Signed, Little Christopher, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Well, Little Christopher, there are currently two schools of thought on this in America. Um, the first and most obvious and preferable one being to serve your country in some way, whether it be in the military or something like AmeriCorps or even in the government, whether it be at the local, state, or federal level. Um, by doing so, you are serving the people in a very thankless job and um, making this country great. Um, or there's the other school of thought um, where you stand outside of uh, any government building holding a gun, yelling the fact that you are a patriot while wearing some sort of a shirt with Hillary Clinton's face on it and uh, a devil eyes or something, or uh, horns rather, and um, usually waving a Nazi flag, a Trump flag, or a Confederate flag. Basically, those flags are all one and the same at this point, but nonetheless, they do differentiate the certain people types that are there. Um, so yes, that is one school of thought, not a preferable one. Um, and one I strongly discourage, and I would argue does not make you a patriot whatsoever. But, considering 30% of the country thinks it does, well, that's a school of thought, to put it plainly. So, that said, uh, QAnon supporters are terrorist sympathizers. Unrelated to the rest of the question, just thought I'd say it. Next! On my very last semi-important question of these Search for Tim transmissions, we have a question from Little Andrew from Ulysses, Texas. Little Andrew writes, Dear Mr. Thebadias, are you really going to go through all of American history in these next few seasons? Signed, Little Andrew, Ulysses, Texas. Well, Little Andrew, to put it simply, like I always do, and, well, sometimes don't, um, yes, to put it simply, yes, I am going to go through every single decade of American history that I lived through, which was all of them. If you haven't caught that by now, every single decade that I served as the embodiment of an only hope for America, and we will end right before my very important show starts in 2017. That's right. I'm going to even tell you how I got Donald Trump elected, which again, very sorry about that. Please stop sending hate mail and death threats. You can't kill me anyways. So stop trying. I've been shot eight times since this began. By liberals, no less. Well, liberals in Vermont. They have a lot of guns there. Um, and they were not happy with me. Um, I think one of them might have been a certain old Jewish senator. It wasn't. It wasn't him at all. Um, he's a good friend. I love you, Bernie. Should have been president. I made sure that didn't happen, though. Sorry about that again, America. This has been Semi-Important Questions. And we're back from semi-important questions, and, uh, well, I'm on my jet, and I just finished Great British Bake Off and have finally caught up, and am, while devastated that Jurgen was kicked off, um, quite glad that George finally got kicked off as well. So, um, just, just ridiculous. I mean, he was so bad, right? Like, so bad. All right, all right, all right, all right. Um, I digress. Um, hey, pilot, we almost there? Oh, she has the door closed. Um, oh wait, I have one of these TVs. Oh yes, we are almost there. Alright, well, while we go to commercial, um, hopefully the time will pass and, uh, we'll be outside my, uh, cannabis ranch. We'll be right back. It's America, the podcast! 
America and I am outside the ranch here in the Dakotas and uh, we're looking for an, an, any elven person. I Hello mean, there. Oh, uh, who might you be? Well, I'm Craiglin Dickery Do. What's your name? Oh, well, hello, Craigland. Uh, my name is Thebe Stard. I'm an investor here at your farm. Oh, wonderful. Are you the podcast guy? Indeed I am on America, the podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, come on in. You get a free ounce of cannabis just for being here. Oh, wonderful. That's actually why I'm here. Oh, really? You came all this way just for that? Well, we would have shipped it to you. Oh, I totally understand that, but my dear friend in United States Postmaster General Louis DeJoy is still under strict orders to keep the Postal Service running at an absolute crawl. Um, I'm just kind of here on a personal day because I've been having trouble finding my producer, Tim. Oh, well, where did he go? Well, long story long, I have a certain ability that allows me to tell a story from my past and transport me and the person I am with back there. And uh, while I was being transformed into the embodiment of an only hope for America on July 4th, 1776, Tim was uh, sort of sucked into some other dimension of time and space, and I have not been able to get him back ever since. I've been from, you know, Stonehenge to Russia and Mars, Israel, uh, everywhere. And I don't know what else to do other than sit, relax, and smoke a joint while I think it over. Oh, well, I mean, Christmas magic could probably bring him back. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, you know the old North Pole saying, where technology fails, Christmas magic succeeds. Son of a bitch. Why did I not think of Christmas magic and going to the North Pole first? Oh, man. Oh, being without Tim has really, really mixed me up. Okay, um, well, I, I need to get to the North Pole. Can you help me get there? If I remember correctly, the pole is not accessible by private jet. Absolutely. Let's go talk to the farm operator and he can get you set up with a reindeer that'll get you up there. That is perfect. Thank you, Craigland. You're welcome. What are Christmas elves for if to not spread joy and cheer and bring people together? And if you know the right ones, they'll get you real stoned. Here you go. Would you like a joint? Oh my god, you are speaking my language. All right, America, while I get high as hell with this Christmas elf and walk to meet a farm operator, you can listen to very important readings. On today's very important reading, the very final very important reading of the Search for Tim transmissions here on America, the podcast. I have the second letter from John Adams to Abigail Adams, the very important sequel to the letter from last week, the one that was written in the same day, because John just couldn't get everything down in one letter, had to write two. But they were bored back then. I was. Well, I was not bored myself. Um, hmm. I shot a lot of things with guns in my spare time, mostly for food, um, sometimes for sport. Not much of a sportsman anymore, but um, I also made swords and uh, uh, had sex with lots of men and women. Um, so, all right, um, I digress. This is the final letter from John Adams to Abigail Adams on the 3rd of July, 1776, in Philadelphia. John Adams writes, had a Declaration of Independency been made seven months ago, it would have been attended with many great and glorious effects. We might, before this hour, have formed alliances with foreign states. We should have mastered Quebec and been in possession of Canada. 
You would perhaps wonder how such a declaration would have influenced our affairs in Canada, but if I could write with freedom, I could easily convince you that it would and explain to you the manner how. Many gentlemen in high stations and of great influence have been duped by the ministerial bubble of commissioners to treat. And in real sincere expectation of this event, which they have so fondly wished, they have been slow and languid in promoting measures for the reduction of that province. Others there in the colonies who really wished that our enterprise in Canada would be defeated, that the colonies might be brought into danger and distress between two fires, and be thus induced to submit. Others really wished to defeat the expedition to Canada, lest the conquest of it should elevate the minds of the people too much to hearken to those terms of reconciliation which they believed would be offered us. These jarring views, wishes, and designs occasioned an opposition to many sultry measures which were proposed for the support of the expedition and caused obstructions, embarrassments, and study delays which have finally lost us the province. All these causes, however, in conjunction, would not have disappointed us if it had not been for a misfortune which could not be foreseen and perhaps could not even be prevented, I mean the prevalence of the smallpox amongst our troops. This fatal pestilence completed our destruction. It is a frown of providence upon us, which we ought to lay to heart. But on the other hand, the delay of this declaration to this time has many great advantages attending it. The hopes of reconciliation, which were fondly entertained by multitudes of honest and well-meaning, though weak and mistaken people, have been gradually and at last totally extinguished. Time has been given for the whole people maturely to consider the great question of independence, and to ripen their judgments, dissipate their fears, and allure their hopes by discussing it in newspapers and pamphlets, by debating it in assemblies, conventions, committees of safety inspection, in town and country meetings, as well as in private conversations, so that the whole people in every colony of the Thirteen have now adopted it as their own act. This will cement the Union and avoid those heats and perhaps convulsions which might have been occasioned by such a declaration six months ago. But the day is past. The second day of July 1776 will be the most memorable epoch in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the Great Anniversary Festival. It ought to be commemorated as the Day of Deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shoes, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other from this time forward forevermore. You will think me transported with enthusiasm, but I am not. I am well aware of the toil and blood and treasure that it will cost us to maintain this declaration and support and defend these states. Yet through all the gloom I can see the rays of ravishing light and glory. I can see that the end is more than worth all the means, and that posterity will triumph in that day's transaction. Even although we should rue it, which I trust in God, we shall not. End a very important reading. And there you have it, America. The second letter from John Adams to Abigail Adams dated July 3, 1776. And as a reminder, I read these two letters as a way to humanize Mr. Adams and Mrs. Abigail Adams. I wanted to show that human beings, well, unlike myself, I'm an immortal deity at this point, but back then, human beings founded this country. Human beings fought for independence. Whether they were right or wrong is up for history to decide. But people had genuine fears. People had genuine concerns and genuine passions and beliefs that what they were doing were right. And here we are today, 240 plus years later, America is still standing for now.
and it will serve us better if we serve it, whether we are serving publicly or just through our vote. Please vote America. Please vote for the future and progression of America itself. Without you, the American people, there is no America. This has been Very Important Reasons. And we're back, America. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Just uh, finishing off that last bit of that roach. And uh, let's see, I'm getting set up with a reindeer. The farm operator is saddling me up on, uh, what's this reindeer's name? Oh, his name's Nathan. Huh. Nathan is a strange name for a Christmas reindeer. Is it any stranger than Dasher, Dancer, or Nixon? Uh, wait a minute. Isn't it Vixen with a V? Oh, no. Vixen was replaced by his son, Nixon. Vixen himself died in 1993. Oh, my God. Was it some sort of Christmas accident? No, colon cancer, believe it or not. Oh, oh boy. Uh, that was way more real than I wanted it to be. Yeah, colon cancer gets the best of us. Get your colonoscopies, folks. Indeed. A quick follow-up question. Is Nixon named after... Yep, Richard Nixon. Nixon was a lifelong Republican, so, you know. Oh, that makes sense. There was always a V reindeer on several GOP donor lists that I would come across and never understood what that was, so that makes sense. Uh, speaking of reindeer, is mine saddled up? I'd like to get going. Oh, should be. Hey, Jay! Jay! How's that saddle coming? Five minutes! Farm operator says five minutes. Uh, very good. All right, well, then let's go to commercial, and when we come back, uh, well, hopefully I'll be getting on a reindeer to fly to the North Pole. Um, all right, we'll be right back. It's America, the podcast! And we're back, America, and I am here next to Nathan the Reindeer. Hello, Nathan. Uh, he doesn't have ticks, does he? Nathan doesn't have ticks. I watched him myself. And who might you be? Jared Kushner, farm operator. What's it to you? Okay, well, for one, while I'm sure my audience wants me to unpack your very particular name, I just do not have time for this. Uh, two, I'm one of your major investors, so maybe lose the attitude. And three, I believe I was owed an ounce of cannabis on top of, um, borrowing this reindeer. Oh yeah, here you go. Sour diesel okay? Absolutely. You read my mind, little elf. All right, America, I have my ounce of cannabis in hand, am saddled upon the reindeer Nathan, and am ready for my next adventure, which, due to context, I believe is the next episode of America, the podcast, the War on Christmas Spectacular, volume, wait, volume five? Are we in five? Yeah, I think you're on five. That's right, the War on Christmas, volume five, the search for Spock. Except that it's Tim. Um, all right, well, time to go find some Christmas magic, bring my producer back from some sort of netherworld, and get back to the regular program of the American Revolution here on America the Podcast. I think that might have been my loudest one yet. All right, on Nathan. <coughs> it's America the Podcast. This 
has been a production of Shui Media, all rights reserved. For more information, please visit shuimedia.com. Thank you.